Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Big League Chicago. I'm Rick here with Jack and Bears have finally got their GM head coach. It's so it's 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 finally done, <laughs> Bears fans. Um, it's it's a great feeling, dude. Oh, it's unbelievable. It feels like uh, a process was followed. Um, things were discussed. Mm-hmm. You know, I know we've been hoping for a guy that that's going to be specific to two fields, but I think we've gotten the best of both worlds where we've got a guy that's going to look after every 52 members of that roster and and was confident in hiring, uh, as we'll get into, an offensive coordinator that will be specific and, and much more generated towards fields. I think uh, I think these are all recipes of success. Yeah, man. I like you said, there was definitely a process, and it was a uh, obviously it was really confusing at the beginning, right? Because um, they wanted to do like, hey, we're gonna hire a GM to hire a coach, but then you heard like, uh, maybe a coach is gonna be hired first, and then you know when you talk about that process, you're like, well, this isn't the process that we were expecting, you know. But luckily, it it came out. It pretty much came in the right way, where they hired Ryan Poles, um, who was most recently the Kansas city chiefs executive director of player personnel. Um, they just hired him on Tuesday night. And I mean, that guy immediately got to work. I don't know if they, there was like a couple IG videos with him, like, like coming into Hellas hall at like, I don't know, probably yeah, like it was five, dark. It 6 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So it's like this guy went straight to work and that's kind of what you want to see out of this guy too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, as a guy who was a former lineman for, for our Chicago Bears, um, so he's mm. someone who's familiar with the organization in that sense. Um, and yeah, he's, he's excited. You know, like you said, the videos of him coming in real early. Um, <laughs> I heard some reports that the advisory board and and Phillips wanted one guy, and McCaskey and his group kind of wanted another guy. And Paul said, you know, nah, the buck starts starts <laughs> here. That's what you brought me in for. And and exactly. Um, you love to hear that, you know, he's taking reins, he's taking responsibility. Um, so yeah, I'm pumped. I think we're both pumped. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, getting to that point, there was a reports that Polian or whatever, you know, he was supposed to be this, uh, advisor to like the coaching search and all that. Like, like polls came in and just said, I don't give a shit. Like I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm deciding on this guy and that he was apparently Bill Polian was a little mad that he kind of like cut him out of the coaching search, but why would you want somebody outside if you're the GM, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It sounded like, uh, and I probably have it wrong or flip flopped. I think one of them wanted uh, Dan Quinn and one of them wanted Jim Caldwell. And, you know, then uh, it sounded like from what it was, what's been circulated as Eberlis came in, he had a great first interview. They had him come in, Mm -hmm a second time after polls was hired, obviously. And he sat through that interview and, um, you know, chicken, uh, you know, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> so, um, and th- that, you know, I, we're thankful for that advisory board. It brought us, uh, some new leadership and, you know, obviously mm-hmm. they may be upset that their input was a little bit tossed to the, tossed to the side, but I mean, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Like, like, you know, he's the GM, he's the guy who, has this the last say and reportedly you know he's going to report directly to the mccaskies because previously like all the gms have kind of like reported to the team president ted phillips the fucking accountant yep. that we have as team president that guy so now it's even like 
I don't know, just just kind of seeing this as a Bears fan for the last few years, it's nice to know that he is reporting directly to ownership and that he has final say on, on you know, obviously his first decision was head coach and that's what he had final say on. That's who they hired uh, and this is who they're going with. And it's, it's awesome to see. And um, especially with his background too, like the player personnel, he, he, he was a pro personnel department. Uh, he prepared for free agency and even assisted the GM for uh, the Kansas city chiefs with the, with the draft. So, the, you know, a lot of reports are coming out that are saying that he was very instrumental in getting uh, guys like Mahomes, guys like Kelsey, um, a lot of the, the stars that you see now in the Kansas city chiefs uh, team. So, I mean, that's just, I mean, that just makes me feel super, super confident and happy about who we got as GM. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he came into that, that Kansas city uh, front office in 09. So yeah, you know, he mm-hmm. saw the real build up, you know, the hiring of Andy Reed and, and everything he's come in and, and done. So uh, you love to see that. I think it's, it's really exciting. And, and what you've seen on, uh, I know what through his press conference today, he, as we talked about, you know, being a former bear, he, he understands the importance of beating the Packers twice a year, beating the Lions yeah. twice a year, you know, bullying this, this uh, NFC North. And they did that right by going after Green Bay's, uh, uh, Green <laughs> Bay's own quarterback coach. I know, man. I know. Uh, and that was really cool too, because uh, kind of getting into Eberflus now, right? So, they hired him uh, Thursday night that same week. So Tuesday they hired mm-hmm. uh, Poles. Then Thursday night they hired uh, Eberflus. Um, Eberflus. I guess that's his. I guess that's you. How you pronounce it? I don't really know how to pronounce. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think uh, so. Okay. Um, there'll be there'll he, be hundreds of pronunciations by the time oh, we get yeah. to week oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then they're just gonna have fun with that name. Him and Poles, like it's gonna be great. Ryan and Matt all over again. Um, so yeah, you know. Everflus came in, they hired him and he just, he's like, couldn't be more excited to, to be here. Um, and he pretty much, I guess like what impressed polls the most is like his, he came in with like a, a solid like plan and was like, Hey, this is how we're going to do step-by-step almost, at least from what I've mm-hmm. read is he came in with a plan for fields, for the run game, for the defense, things like that. And I mean, that's what you want out of your head coach too. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, you can look at where Indianapolis finished the season. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it was, it was a, a brutal loss to Jacksonville, a tough, um, a really tough loss. And, and I know that has been the critics fuel to the fire right now is that, Oh, he couldn't get it done against Jacksonville. You know, it, with with the injuries stacked up last year, I know he lost. Uh, I thought they lost Leonard for a game. I know, you know, Bucker mm-hmm. struggled to stay healthy. Um, his corners struggled to stay healthy towards the end of that season. So, given with what he had, you know, yeah, I think as a defensive mind, it'll be perfect for for guys like Khalil Mack, you know, Eddie Jackson, um, Jalen Johnson. You know, these guys will benefit from having that defensive minded guy that that's going to be in the room and can pay attention to to more of their details where, you know, you had a guy like Nagy where it's coming out and, you know, what in God's name could he be in teaching and instructing these defensive <laughs> backs, these linebackers, you know, what information could he be possibly passing on? And that's a scary thought when it comes down to it. So, you know, you've got these guys mm-hmm. that are coming in. It's, it's going to be 
uh, it's gonna be really exciting. I think that's you know it's what you hope for. Um, these guys got to be you know fuming at the bit to get ready to um, you know get through the winter, get into the summer, and get ready for for spring. Or, you know, um, not spring training. Off, uh, get ready for preseason and you know have a good off uh, off season. Yeah, man, and and kind of hitting on the the defensive part for Eberflus, like his first uh, season in, in in Indy, the Colts improved from thirtieth to tenth in scoring defense, from thirtieth to eleventh in total defense, and from twenty sixth to eighth in rush defense. So this guy comes in, evaluates his defense, realizes where uh, the improvements need to be, and like executes. So like how you were saying, you know, is he going to, he's going to be very beneficial to these young guys like Jalen Johns and Roquan Smith and even the veterans, you know, uh, Robert Quinn, uh, Mac, uh, uh, Jackson, like he's going to be very, very valuable to this team in terms of the defense, which struggled last year at times, you know, they're really wishy-washy. Um, and then obviously like how you were saying, right? Like they, they, so it's not official yet, but there it's pretty much solid that Luke Getze, the quarterback's coach from the Packers is basically going to take this uh, offensive coordinator job. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I guess they had, uh, they did have some like time together uh, because I think they are familiar with each other, Getze and uh, Eberflus, but I'm not too sure. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, the reports from Adam Schefter are, he's pretty much leaving and even though it hasn't been official, you know, and I'm, I'm a guy who doesn't like to call anything until, you know, it's official. There's like ink to paper, things like that. But mm-hmm. it's looking pretty solid right now for uh, Getze as OC. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Getze, uh, former quarterback, uh, played in the league for a few years. I know I think he was a obviously a career backup, but uh, at yeah. one point was a MAC championship uh, game MVP for. No uh, oh, um, shit. I think it was Akron. Yeah, for Akron, it sounded like. Um, he's been coaching since 07. So um, as a guy who's 37, he's been he's been on the other side of, of the game for you know a yeah. very long time at this point. Um, in terms of where, uh, you know, it, he's seen uh, – he's, he's had roles as a wide receivers coach. Um, funny thing I don't think we've actually talked about, but uh, – uh, my favorite college football team is actually Mississippi State, and he was uh, the oh, OC shit. and wide receivers coach there in 2018, which was a weird year for them. Uh, it was still under, I think that was the Joe Moorhead uh, era, but we won't get into that. And then returned <laughs> to uh, Green Bay in 2019 as the quarterback coach, and and then continued on as the you know the quarterback coach and pass game coordinator. So um, a very productive and, and high flying offense that Green Bay has been running, especially with you know Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, Jamal, oh, yeah. or uh, what's the running back's first name? Uh, oh, um, oh fuck, no, I, I don't even remember Jones or whatever his name is, right? Yeah, Aaron Jones. Fucking Aaron Jones. Yeah, there we go. Uh, God damn. <laughs> uh, and so you know that, that was a very exciting offense. You, you look to see. You look at the the comparatives. You know, you hope to see. Darnell Mooney, Mooney continue to take the steps as a number one receiver. You see David Montgomery, you know, kind of make his way as one of the top running backs in this league. So mm-hmm. things are, are brewing. So, you know, and, and being a quarterback, you hope um, someone being more centered around a, a field's offense that obviously, as Iberflus said earlier, um, it's going to be run heavy, but it's going to be elusive, you know, running with fields yeah. or with Montgomery. 
Yeah, and or that, with that Moody, was one, you know, you never know who's going to get the ball. I mean, and and you see, you saw the 49ers with uh, with Debo. You know, like yep. who knows if you you can add you can add that element to your team, and all of a sudden, you know, maybe the San Francisco 49ers have uncovered some crazy offensive scheme that now maybe the NFL is going to adopt within the next decade or so. So, um, oh, it's cool, weird. It, you hope for that, and then you look at yeah. you know what San Francisco did, and I think they had six. Going into the playoffs, obviously, we were very hot, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, against against Green Bay, it was de- the defense that scored their one touchdown. So it's it scares me <laughs> a little bit, also, to think about um, the you know that offense. It's all uh, you know that could be Jimmy G, that could be um, various assortments of things, and that's you mm-hmm. know un- uncovering to be probably more of a mess than what the Bears offseason will look like in in the God. long run. So. <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, you know, I, I hope it's like that clean <laughs> San Francisco 49ers offense where you look at it and you're like, why don't they just do this every time? You know what I mean? Like that. I just hope it Absolutely. looks more like that. Well, yeah. And like you said, you know, when they threw Debo in the backfield, he was it was unbelievable. You know, he's he's a very mm-hmm. um, talented uh, um, player and he's able to do both sides. You know, obviously there was some wear and, and tear that probably that came with having, you know, to take the, the abuse that you do when you're playing mm-hmm. the running back position. But, uh, you know, hopefully you get Cohen back, you get all these speedsters. And, and um, you know, I think they ran, what was it, Mark? Not good or Goodwin. What was Goodwin? I think the receiver, they ran him at, yeah. at running back every once in a while. So, you know, the Bears are, you know, obviously that was a Matt Nagy offense, but they've got the talent and hopefully the raw the weapons to um, – you know, form a decent plan around. Yeah, I think, I think so too. And, um, you know, getting back to Getsy with his one year at uh, Mississippi state, you know, they, the, one of the, one of the stats that I pulled up was like, they were averaging 223 rushing yards a game and 5.6 yards per carry. And while in his, while his time with the, with the Packers, like RPO was a major part of their offense. So Absolutely. that's kind of like, you know, we, we were talking about it, I think, last episode or the episode before where mm-hmm. RPO was like a major thing where everybody was like, why aren't we running the RPO with fields? Like he can run like he's not a runner. He's not a Lamar Jackson or, you know, Michael Vick thing, you know, type of quarterback, but he can run if needed. He's more mm-hmm. like a Josh Allen. Like, does he have the speed? Absolutely. Um, yeah. But why aren't RPOs more? Uh, why aren't they integrated more in the in, in the offensive scheme here? And so with with Getzy, I think we're going to get more of that. And like, it's, it's almost like one of those, like, Hey, our prayers have been answered. You know, he's going to take what he has in fields. Um, and then kind of like evaluate, like, okay, does this work? Does this work? And then Everflus is just going to be like, let's run the fucking ball whenever we can. And then I feel Absolutely. like it's just going to be much more balanced, uh, than what we've experienced with Nagy. You know how you said like Nagy would use, um, he, in my opinion, he misused Corey Patterson because, or Corderell Patterson, because you see him just flourish in, in Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and then, as and a running then, back, as a run, yeah, as a running back, and he was like offensive <laughs> player of the week or month for the NFC like a couple times, and and mm-hmm. and now you know you guys you have these guys who can who understand their offense a little bit better and maybe like maybe get down to the basics, but maybe even make it a little bit better, more more uh, explosive, and you just kind of hope that. They take all the mistakes that Nagy made and just literally just either make them better or just avoid them in general. And yeah, man, I'm just I'm just excited for this. And the fact that we got somebody from the Packers too, we took them from <laughs> our, our our rival is even funnier. Uh, you know, it, it's 
it's the trend the league has been seeing. You know, obviously Matt Fleur, Lafleur, he's young. Kyle Shanahan, young. Um, Sean McVay, young. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy in Cincinnati, young. All these 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 coaches are are getting their shots at very young ages, and you know, Getzy's thirty six, thirty seven, and mm-hmm. it's a perfect opportunity to succeed in the sense that if you do put a a, a great offense together, you know, your next step up from here is a head coaching job. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's a really ideal situation for Getzy as well in that sense. And you hope, uh, you know, you hope they just flourish off that. But, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Green Bay with, with Rodgers now losing, uh, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and, and Getzy. He's pretty oh. much lost. Yeah. <laughs> his left hand is right hand man. So it'll be interesting to see where, where things go up in, uh, up in Wisconsin. I mean, we'll see if he's even on the Packers next year, which would be Dude, great. Vegas. Vegas yeah. has it. I saw it last week, I think. like, And since Hackett went to Denver, which is, I think, the same day they either hired. I think it was the same day they hired um, Eberflus. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that when that happened, there was something like week one starter for Denver being Aaron Rodgers being like plus 110. So, like, Vegas <laughs> is 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 giving it respect. And, you They're know, calling it's, that's it, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, obviously we'll see, but it's – um, I don't know. I've, some people have told me, you know, I think Rogers will do whatever Brady doesn't. So if Brady does retire, you know, you expect Rogers to maybe stay. Um, mm. You know, we'll see. Obviously, those two guys are pretty unpredictable in this world. But yeah, really. And I which, don't know. Yeah, it's just crazy to, to think that he could be on another team. And, and and I'd be grateful for it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think Jordan Love. Uh, uh, <laughs> bring it on <laughs> you know it's it, we're ready for uh we're ready for the changing of guards and I, you know you can't go two for, you can't go three for three you know they went two for two with with the transition no of Favre to rogers there's no way they're going three for three there's no, no way. way at least at least if anyone's fields. gonna do it it's gonna be Grand bay i know i know and that that's the thing like i i you don't really see it anywhere else like like uh Obviously, in New England, Tom Brady was there for a while up until he went to Tampa Bay a couple years ago. But then it was like Matt Castle was doing really well. Can't went to Kansas City, never, never repeated his success. Jimmy G has luck has been to the playoffs a few times already. Has gone to the Super Bowl if I'm not mistaken. But you know he's 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 not good. He's not a reliable quarterback. You know they 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 rely on their run game in San Francisco. They really only want him to pass when necessary or early in the game, and. You know, Green Bay had fucking Brett Favre, and then now they had Aaron Rodgers, and it, like you said, if there is anybody who's gonna do it, it's them. But I hope it's not with Jordan Love because, man, it would just be heartbreaking to just have to continually be destroyed by Packers quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> we'll we we'll see what sleep. happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens with with uh, Aaron Rodgers. Um, Again, I'm hoping I, I wouldn't mind him going to the AFC either. Uh, you know, get him the get fuck him away the from the AFC. Get him out of yeah. the conference. Yeah, get concerned. him out of the fucking conference for all I care. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, it's interesting that Hack Hackett went to Denver, and now we've got his guy uh, uh, Getzy. Hopefully, here soon they're going to make the announcement, and then um, you know, again, just kind of like just looking at it overall. Um, I did see a couple clips in the uh, from the press conferences they had earlier today with Poles and Aberflus, and you know Poles came out strong, man. He was like, "We are gonna, we're gonna draft good players. We're gonna, we're gonna build. We're gonna be selective through through free agency. We're gonna build through the draft. We're gonna, 
we're going to take hold of the North and we're not going to, you know, give it up, which, which it's very reminiscent of, of Lovey Smith when he kind of came in as head coach and he's like, we have three goals. We're going to win the NFC North. We're going to go to the Super Bowl, And most importantly, we're going to beat the Packers twice a year, you know, and, and, and just kind of setting up those goals. And like, I, I feel like, you know, saying them out loud in your first press conference, it's almost like, okay, now we have to fucking do this no matter what. And, uh, You're setting I don't the know, that was just really it's, awesome to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it is, um, it's refreshing. You know, you, you heard mm-hmm. all this bullshit from, from Matt Nagy and, and Ryan Pace for the last, you know, five, seven years with Pace and, and four years with Nagy and, you know, it, it feels like we've got the right football minds in place. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. it's what Bears football has been. You know, you always want to beat the Packers. You expect a great defense, and um, we want we want that future quarterback. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think they they need to, uh, and they're they're trying to to make it work for Justin, and and hopefully, um, you know that that is seen seen through and and occurs. But yeah, you know, I think. It's a it's a waiting game, obviously, but Bears fans, we can be hopeful. That's that's definitely yeah. one thing that we can be sure about for the first time in a long time. Yeah, for real. And and you know, we had that one year in twenty eighteen where it was awesome, and then everything else after that was downhill. So kind of like, and you know, everything kind of before that with John Fox and and uh and uh Phil Emery and uh Tressman was pretty bad too. So we've we've suffered for a while. We had one good year, and it kind of sucks that it went downhill after that. But like you said, man, it's just it's nice to have that. Uh, uh, fresh perspective from these guys coming in and being like, these are our goals. And this is basically what, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty much saying what we fans would say is if we, we got that job, right? Like I want to beat the fucking Packers and I want to, I want to, I want to have a stranglehold on the NFC North for years to come. And, and it's awesome to hear, um, especially during their first press conference, you know, them together there. Um, and then just kind of getting to both of them, you know, I've been reading things where it's like it's it's a little risky to kind of have a first time GM and a first time head coach together. You know, there there's a lot of uh, speculation on hey, if we're going to get a first time GM, then we want a veteran head coach or vice versa. I don't know if you have like any thoughts on that, but I don't I don't really mind it, um, especially if you've been in the league for as long as these two guys have in executive positions like polls and head coaching coordinator. Uh, role specific type roles for uh, Aberflus. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, obviously, it could have gone Doug Peterson. You know, Super Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, Super Bowl winning coach has the experience, obviously. Uh, but they didn't. You know, there's there is risk taking to to these things as well. And yeah, you know, I think if you wanted to identify. Um, the biggest what if that would be it. You know, these guys, mm-hmm. like you said, they are inexperienced in these higher, more responsible roles, but you never never know how you're gonna do until you get into those roles and and when you're seeing what you're seeing with like what we were saying earlier with the trend of, of coaches getting younger and and GMs getting younger and everything's getting younger, I think you're gonna see um if things are successful that this will probably be the the mold for for many organizations that are looking to replace these positions in the future and and if it's not it'll be identified quickly you know i think yeah um this season it's going to be interesting you know obviously we don't have a draft first round pick with uh um acquiring fields last year but 
you hope uh, you hope to see they can hope to bo- bolster that offensive line. Maybe bring in another corner to to help with uh, with Jalen Johnson. And if you can improve through the draft, you know, hopefully they'll they'll improve through free agency, maybe potentially. And um, with that being said, maybe this roster will be built to to perform. But you know, I think the worst thing I uh, the what I'm trying to resent or hold myself, and I think all sports fans try to hold yourselves from doing is is jumping the gun too quickly. And I don't want to um, rush things as well. You know, I don't think uh, if he yeah. goes zero and two in the first two weeks, you know, we don't want his head on a stick. You need yeah. you need patience. So so we'll see. You know, January thirty first, we're we'll be talking about it for <laughs> shit six more months until uh, until we see it too see it through so it's gonna be a lot of what if but i'm hopeful i'm excited for uh just for the preseason stuff man like like what it's gonna look uh like during the preseason games like what the offense is gonna look like maybe what he's doing with with justin fields and just kind of like you know polls being a being a former offensive lineman you know he like what you know he has to bolster that offensive line because he knows like yeah he's got larry he Borum, he's got Tevin Jenkins there and those are really solid pieces from what they've shown mm-hmm. uh, their rookie years um, but I think even he knows like maybe I have to bring in another veteran maybe we have to bolster through the draft again which there's there are some gems in those later rounds obviously right you can see that um, yeah man, like you said them. I'm just yeah exactly and I think you can I, I feel like he would be able to identify that 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 uh, offensive lineman kind of like um, just like a special offensive lineman through the draft in those later rounds when maybe people aren't really looking at these guys. Like, I feel like he would definitely be the one to evaluate that talent, you know, being a former offensive lineman himself. It would just be, it'd just be great to see, like, just like he said, we're, we're going to build through the draft. Like that's fucking awesome. Very selective with free agency. We're not dependent on, on these big name free agencies where we were, you know, we have guys that when they're free agents, they're the ones that are going to be targeted maybe, you know, by other teams, but hopefully we keep them. Um, so it's just mm-hmm. it's it's just one of those things that you said like you're hopeful to see and that we won't be able to kind of just evaluate until that happens and you know I, if he does start zero and two I've always had a problem with like when do we want this head coach fired like let's give him a couple <laughs> years let's give him you know like a year we gave Nagy four so let's let's be patient with that absolutely you know I think it it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, Robinson you know obviously mm-hmm. we want to see him as a bear but I think at this point. And where Darnell Mooney has gotten himself into, you know, it'll be a, a serious loss of production if he leaves. But um, it does give that that number one role truly to Darnell Mooney, and that's you know that's where he's progressing in his career. So um, it'll be interesting. You know, I don't see the Bears franchise tagging him this year, especially um, kind of after the weird year he's he's mm-hmm. unfortunately expressed towards the end of last year that his. Um, that he felt disrespected by the bears by not offering him an extension and then by not yep. getting that deal done. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, obviously new front office, new relationships to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will be a real telltale sign of where things are going. If it is going to be a more of a development route or are we trying to continue, um, you know, are we trying to maintain our roster in the point where we think we're, adding those few pieces um, away from being a playoff contender. So um, it'll be interesting when free agency finally opens, obviously after the Super Bowl, what does, um, what does happen with the, the A-Rob situation? Yeah. It, and like you said, you know, Mooney's pretty much got that number one roll down and, you know, his, his connection with Justin Fields, like 
later in the season, like those last few games of the season, you could tell mm-hmm. there was definitely that connection, that trust almost like him throwing it deep anytime to Mooney really. And, and I don't know, uh, just personally for myself, I think a Rob should probably go to a contender next year. I don't, I don't, I, I wanted him on the bears. I wanted him to sign the extension over last season, like during the, the first couple of weeks, you know, but then you kind of see that maybe his production was obviously way down. Um, and who knows what that, that could have been, you know, what could have affected that, whether it was him, whether mm. it was a, whether it was a lack of connection between him and fields or like maybe or way teams were calling or the way teams had started to game plan around him. You know, they saw, yeah, it was very impressive how, how many, uh, passes he was able to reel in, especially with someone like Mitch throwing to you, um, uh, that were yeah. behind oh, him yeah. or, or too low or too high. So you know, it, that's that's you hope it was a sense of that that teams just game planned around it. But yeah, no, absolutely. You know, was it yeah. a thing of Fields and him not having that connection? Is it, um, is it a dirt? You know, I you hope and you never want it to be a durability thing. But I think he's at thirty years old, so like you said, mm-hmm. he's got to think about his career and and uh, you know the and with a football career, the time is is short as we've seen. So you hope. You hope for the best for him, and you never want to. Uh, uh, you know, Robinson has not made himself uh, a marked man in Chicago. I think no, um, absolutely you know, hopefully not. Hopefully, most Bears fans would agree that we want to see. Um, you know, these guys have success as long as it's not within the NFC North. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Just don't go to the Vikings, the Packers, the Lions, and you're good. Because um, <laughs> it, it sucks. It sucks. I th- it feels like every time I play Green Bay, Adrian Amos has a freaking interception against us. Yeah, dude, and. God, I could go on and on about fucking Adrian Amos. Like, I wanted them to, to re-sign him uh, uh, instead of the Packers signing him, obviously. And like you said, you know, like it was like the primetime games against Green Bay. He fucking shone the brightest. Um, so, but yeah, you know, I we'll see what happens. And like you said, you know, with with Ryan Poles being a, a former player too, like I feel like he he might have a little bit more understanding with these guys, you know, with the tag or with with a um, with an extension as far as contract. But with, you know, with A-Rob, like it, it would be awesome to see him have the maybe like a full off season with Justin Field and maybe get that connection and then maybe, you know, turn into like the wide receiver tandem that we've been hoping for with him and Mooney, uh, where you have a deep threat in Mooney and you have sure hands with A-Rob and and maybe Cole Komet steps up in his third year um, or second year, whatever it is. Uh, and you know, became, becomes that like Travis Kelsey, George Kittle type of guy where he fucking gets the ball and he just runs through people. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, you never know. Like you said, I, I would just, just wish the best for a Rob wherever, wherever that may be. Um, but like you said, just not in the NFC North. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think, uh, I think Fields and Mooney are actually, um, working out together this off season. So yeah, if, if it oh, does look like it. Robinson's robinson's returning back uh you hope he he and the three of them can link up and and mm-hmm. kind of work uh work the offseason together otherwise as it's interesting you know you brought up uh cole Komet, and i think he is on his third he'll be on his third season uh next yeah, year going into so. next year and it's i think i gotta look up his contract but you you kind of feel like it's a make or break year for cole Komet, uh being that agree. third year um yeah. and once i see his contract i think it's a five-year or four-year deal maybe with probably with a f- option, for option fifth. probably yeah so you know you would you would like to think with a tight end you know obviously mitch got four and 
Um, you know, you would think your leash with a tight end is much shorter than a quarterback. So you got to think mm-hmm. year three is, is really his make or break year. So you got to see some serious steps and improvements from, uh, you know, the young Illinois native, but you hope for it. You really do. It's got the size. He's got the, it seems like the athletic ability. It just needs to yeah. uh, he piece looks, together. He really and, looks like your prototypical tight end, honestly. Yeah. He looks, and, he definitely looks like your football t- tight end. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. So, it, you know, and otherwise it feels like why'd we draft from fucking Notre Dame? And you know, when you got the Iowa mm-hmm. hotspot right in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like we said, you know, Illinois native Bears fan growing up, you hope, uh, you hope to see it succeed, but it's, it's definitely, uh, um, a big year for Cole Komet. Yeah. And, and like you said, we'll see, you know, it was, just, it was definitely that Notre Dame, uh, Bears fan connection that really kind of like, I was really rooting for him like during his rookie year and mm-hmm. even last year where, you know, he looked like, like shit most of the, most of the year last year, but you know, he had a couple catches where you're just like, Oh shit, there it goes. Right. Like he's about to break out, but he never really did. But I don't know. It was just that oh, kind of Notre Dame, Illinois connection. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, I, it probably was on his hand tough when you're not getting any of the red zone opportunities, you know, obviously having Jimmy yeah. Graham on the rods roster, um, eliminated that unless they mm-hmm. wanted to run uh, anything that had two offenses in, or two tight ends within the play. So, you know, that, that you consider that you, you would say, I think Jimmy Graham's on, I think he's on his last year of his contract as well. So uh, if Graham does leave, you know, then you, you see all those opportunities start to to flutter towards commit and he'll, he's going to be tested. You know, you, you gotta, gotta be up for the challenge. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely keep an eye on that. See how he progresses. See what he looks like in the in the in the preseason games as well. Um, and then the last uh, the last hire, or at least the latest one, was uh, Bears and Poles hire Ian Cunningham as assistant GM. And so, kind of like a background with Cunningham, he was uh, the Eagles' director of player personnel, and he pretty much over you know he oversaw the college scouting department. Um, and doing collaborations with like the co-director of player personnel while with the Eagles. Um, and he's been, he, he comes from a scouting background, went, was with the Ravens since 08, um, promoted in 2013 to an area scout. And then in 17, that's when he left Baltimore for Philly and pretty much to take on the director of college scouting. And let's see, 2019, he was promoted to assistant director of player personnel and, yeah, was made director of player personnel in 2021. And and I think if I'm not mistaken, him and Ryan Poles have some sort of history. So it's nice to kind of have like another guy. It's almost like the, uh, um, at least, you know, for me as a Cubs fan, it's almost like that Theo, Jed kind of connection, you know, where you're bringing in a guy that, you know, wants to succeed as much as you do or has kind of like the same vision for success. So it's actually really nice to kind of like have that sort of uh, history with a guy and to hire him and be like, yep, this is my assistant. This is my right hand man. And yeah. you know, it just makes me feel better about decision-making in the front office. Well, it's, it's the first time the bears have had an assistant GM. Um, so that, Oh shit. Yeah, no, I just, I just came up on that and I was, it was wow. it actually, it was an eye popper when I saw that. And I had no idea. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting. And I guess, they're both uh, linemen. Maybe that's the connection. Otherwise, I'm not totally sure. I mean, they both went to different colleges, so I'm not. Mm. Don't quote me on that, everyone. But um, 
yeah, won a Super Bowl ring with the Ravens, Was won a Super Bowl ring with the Eagles. So he's been around a winner, and you want to yeah. build a winner. So surround yourself with winners. I think uh, all all good uh, all good all good signs. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's again, it's just like you know, at the end of the day, really, what we what the the main word is just it's refreshing and new heads new new brand new start, pretty much. And even Field said that uh, during, uh, his like mini presser, uh, I think it was after the, after polls and Everflus were talking to the media, he was kind of like, you know, it's, it's awesome to have a defensive minded coach because yes, you as a quarterback know what kind of schemes going on, you know, on the field, but maybe with that defensive guy as your head coach, he could tell you exactly what these assignments are, exactly what's going to happen. What, what more, more like detailed, uh, vision on this, on this opposing defense that you're facing and you know he's he said he was excited for it for a brand new start as well so it's it's good to see everybody kind of in Hallis hall being like take a take a you know deep breath a sigh of relief and be like all right let's fucking get it going we have justin fields we've got offensive weapons we got good defensive younger guys like let's get it going from here on out absolutely absolutely you know i i'm sure everyone's seen uh um i think it was damar that gave Justin, a jersey at the Bulls game. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's hanging around Chicago, which is awesome. So he's getting adjusted to the city, and um, you can tell he wants to he wants to make things things right and, and mm-hmm. uh, be the guy for the Bears. So, yeah. It's just fucking I'm awesome hopeful. to see him. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I'm hopeful. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll see. We'll see what happens during the draft. Uh, it's going to be Ryan Poles, Aberflus' first draft. Um, so that's going to be a really cool thing to, to kind of look forward to. And obviously preseason games, OTAs, uh, what they do with fields. Like that's all that stuff is going to be super, super awesome to like see for the first time almost. It's almost, I don't know, man. It's just a, like I said, a brand new start. Like it's, it's just great to kind of get this feeling again of like hopefulness. Like we're going to be able to succeed and things like that. But yeah, Bears fans stay hopeful and, uh, We'll try to be just as hopeful, uh, but I am pretty critical of the Bears, so uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So moving on to uh, probably not the best Blackhawks week stretch. Um, <laughs> it's going to so make many, us want to like, re-talk about the Bears. It's like I uh, go back to the Bears now. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was Fuck. it was it was a rough one man and then it gets even worse with our captain kind of going down i'll let you speak on a little bit more yeah so uh i think we last talked uh, was it saturday yeah yeah so i think it was uh right um, after the they had lost to the kraken yep 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 so uh you know obviously they had the home and away with with minnesota tough one uh at the United Center against Minnesota, mm-hmm. blew another late period lead in Minnesota, and ended up losing that one in overtime. Uh, a, a heart heart wrencher, and that one was painful to watch. Um, then traveled to Colorado on Monday, the twenty fourth, dropped a close one. Unfortunately, it was two nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Wednesday night on uh, on TNT, it was a, it was a good hockey game. It was a really exciting hockey game, actually. For oh, those yeah, that you that tuned score, in, absolutely. Um, yeah, so you know, obviously, you want to beat Detroit every time uh, they show up on the roster uh, or not <laughs> the schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, since they've gone to the Eastern Conference, unfortunately, that that rivalry has been reduced to two games a year. And, and Detroit got us on our home ice. You know, they came out, and they mm-hmm. played a really strong 
strong hockey game early in the year and you know the hawks the hawks are seeking revenge they they fought to the final whistle they put in a complete effort you know there were some times where some points where the defense lacked you know the first period was excellent they put up four in the first is the most they've put up in a period um all year and they did it twice you know they did it in the third again so Mm -hmm. um yes one of those being an empty netter but you always love to see them some see them beat up on the red wings um, so, you know, that one, that one came down to the wire as an eight, five, but a closer, closer game than it looked like on the scoreboard for sure. They, um, they scored after, all the goals against the Red Wings that they should have scored against the fucking Avs and <laughs> the, yes, the two they should have like, scored against the Wild. Uh, it's, it's the most goals they've put up in a game this year. Um, it's the most goals they've put up in a game. I think eight's been the most they've put up since 2020 is what I think they were saying on the broadcast. No so. Shit. Uh, yeah, it's, it's an eye opening stat for sure. But, you know, things translated somewhat well back at the United Center on Friday night when they were able to put up four against Colorado. It was a zero, zero first period, but the puck started flying in after that. And, and Colorado was able to take control without, um, Nathan McKinnon, obviously with, uh, mm-hmm. um, him being concussed. And, um, it was, you know, it was a hard fought hockey game. It's a tough loss. It's games you got to have against these divisional rivals. So, um, you know, obviously they, they bounce back today at six thirty versus Vancouver. So you hope, you hope, uh, hope. with today's matchup being Vancouver and, and Wednesday being with Minnesota, you, you want to see, um, you know, them capitalize on some wins. Obviously Minnesota's had our number this year, but it's oh, time yeah. to, to fight back. And, and if they want to make a push, you know, obviously, we can be as hopeful and, and realistic as we want. They are in seventh in the in the, the division. I think they're there. What are they at? Oh man, they're like they're like twenty eight points. I want to see if they're eleven or twelve points out of it now. Because so oh okay so how yeah how far out are they from like the the actual playoffs? You said only like twelve or twelve or eleven points. I want to say it may have been more of a separation at this point. Let's see. Mm. They're they're about nineteen points from the it's no nineteen sorry now. nine points away from the second wild card. Okay, so that means some teams have fluttered. Yeah. Uh, Which is, I mean, not the worst. You know, you could still kind of no, get a no. wild card. You know, the All Star Game's coming up here soon. You know, we're before the All Star break, so obviously things things can improve before uh, the end of the year, but. Mm-hmm. Um, in more interesting news that you want to hear from the Hawks, they actually Danny Wartz, the CF uh, CEO, um, mm-hmm. released an update on the 26th, kind of giving the fans an update of where where they are in their their GM search. And um, they did make it clear that um, Kyle Davidson, who who stepped up for Stan Bowman when he uh, when he left, um, was in consideration and will be interviewed for uh, the position and. Uh, that they're hoping to have something kind of hammered out and, and hired in that role by by the deadline, which is uh, March 21st. So exciting news to hear on that. And then what actually ended up dropping uh, um, only about 30 minutes ago and, and Hawks fans that, uh, that loved your Sharpie and your, your Marion Hosa and, and actually also Eddie Olchuk, um, they, uh, they've joined uh, Mike Ford, who's, uh, who's in charge of this group called Sportsology and and they're going to be assisting in the search of, of finding this oh, next wow. GM for the Hawks. So um, it's really exciting to hear that they're they're bringing in these guys that had that that success with the Hawks. And obviously, you know, Hosa and Sharp winning the three cups, and and Olchek, uh, you know, obviously he's been our our color guy for the last 
you know, 15, 20 years and was a huge, huge role when he was a Hawk in the nineties and, mm-hmm. and, uh, in the eighties. And I think it was maybe a Hawk in the eighties, but, uh, you know, he's, he's, it's a, it's guys that you respect in the hockey world and, and they're treating it seriously. So hopefully, you know, they take a, take a lesson out of the bears, bears playbook and, and, you know, think things through and, and really hammer out a good decision on that. Um, so that's, that's a really exciting, uh, aspect i guess to think about for hawks fans that have been a little bit so, depressed by the play is is there anyone other than the current guy you said davis right for the hawks um is there anyone that you're kind of like looking at or maybe that might come out as a front runner for the gm because it's awesome to see like all these chicago teams like change front offices because now it's like new start all you know all over in chicago but is there anyone for the hawks that you see that you might be like hey that guy might be a front runner i like this guy style like anything like that it it's gonna be interesting, you know. Obviously, there's some organizations that do have some assistant GMs in the in the league um, right now. From what they also what Danny Words kind of was saying was that they're they're interviewing guys inside and outside, uh, guys, women and and men inside mm-hmm. and outside of the hockey world. So they're mm-hmm. they're not afraid to bring someone in who who necessarily isn't a hockey based, which is an interesting and maybe a little bit of a scary thought, but. Um, <laughs> at least they're taking all the options into consideration. <laughs> True. But, I mean, yeah, it's it's um, risky, but I mean, it might pay off. Yeah, I, they're keeping it pretty close to the chest in terms of who they're they're hoping to interview and what the candidates have been. I'm I'm hoping to find some uh, some information out here soon, but as of right now, I actually um, I'm pretty um, not unaware, but I yeah, we'll see who who is who's on that mm-hmm. list as as interviews concur. I think. Um, they've really just been trying to figure out the process they wanted to go. And now you'll really see, um, things ramp up with, uh, with that process here soon. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then of course, Tay's down with a concussion out indefinitely. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. It sucks to see, especially after, you know, the, the, the whole season that he missed, uh, I think last year or the year before, um, just to see him go down again. And it, it's almost, I don't know about. I don't know what it, I don't know about you or like Hawks fans in general, but it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, fuck, right, is this the one that maybe like almost forces him to retire? You know, uh, not yet. You know, with in terms of head issues, I know Taze has had uh, one or two before in in his career, but uh, um, it's it, you know obviously it's different with other every other player, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it, there's there are some sort of a, a level towards these concussions being major and and more of a medium to to lower side of a of end being of the seriousness of these concussions so um hasn't been kind of described what that seriousness has been with uh with taze we we'll be monitoring to see hopeful uh he doesn't look like he'll be in the lineup tonight so you know that being um friday since the last time they played that's it's four four days now that he's been in the protocol. Um, and if you see it be anything longer than, you know, five to to you know, seven or eight days, then I would start thinking that maybe it is a more serious of a concussion than not. Um, obviously you hope for the best, but yeah, it looks like he kind of sustained it during the Red Wings game. Um, as he, he didn't participate before that avalanche Mm -hmm. game on Friday in the morning skate. So, um, hopefully, that bringing it back to that day would be almost about five days. So you hope to see um, some positive news on that front here soon. 
Yeah, we hope all the all the best on his uh, and a speedy recovery for our captain. Absolutely, um, absolutely. But yeah, man, they got the uh, like you said, they've got the who are they playing again today? Sorry, they are playing the Vancouver Canucks, who Canucks, you know, as, similar to the Hawks, had a coaching change, uh, but they've rebounded really well. They uh, um, they've got forty four points. I want to say they're in. So they're four points out of uh, a playoff spot right now. So they're a team that's fighting. Um, and, you know, obviously, like I said, a rough start to start the season, but they're up, mm-hmm. up to 500 with 44 points and 44 games played. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be a tight, tight contested hockey game over. I think this one's in Chicago tonight. Or is it in Vancouver? Yeah. Yep. Is it in Chicago? At home. Yep. At the yeah. So, uh, you know, obviously that home record's been a little bit shaky this year. They're eight and nine at home <laughs> yeah. with three overtime losses. Uh, Vancouver being 11, 11 with three overtime losses on, on the road. So like I said, tightly congested or contested hockey game, six thirty puck drop. Um, you know, Kane, Kane have had two goals on Friday night. So you, you hope to see that he's, he's starting to, to light it up a little bit more to continues on with his, with his fantastic season with 26 goals. Uh, you know, 10 of those being power play goals. So he's fine in the mm-hmm. back of the net. Um, if I had to guess on the goalie situation, I know Kevin Lankin, since we last talked, went on the IR and it looked like it would be about two weeks with a hand injury. So they called up um, two guys actually from the Rockford Ice Hogs, Colin Delia and Soderbloom, who played, I think, one game when he was up about two weeks ago. So uh, it could be one of the three between Fleury, Soderbloom, and Delia getting the the start tonight. If I had to guess, with the rest being since Friday, Flurry will be in net. But uh, um, mm-hmm. we shall see. You know, obviously, you hope uh, for some competitive hockey. Um, and you know, as we talked about last week, it's you know two or one and two record since we've talked last. It's mm-hmm. you know two out of a possible six. I think they one of those being an overtime loss. So. Um, that's three out of a possible six. It's, it's treading water is what we'll, we'll call yeah. it. You know, obviously you would have preferred that to be a two out of a one. Um, mm-hmm. and that one being an overtime loss, but we'll see, you know, they got to pile some points together before the all-star break coming up here soon. And, you know, like we said earlier, that, that deadline date of the 21st, this things could look a lot different and, uh, they have full faith in Kyle Davidson to, um, trade what he feels like would be beneficial to the roster. So um, if people do need to be moved, like we talked about last episode, I think it will happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully they'll recoup through to uh, through some draft stock and um, some potential farm system stuff to build on. So, you know, obviously still kind of depressing on the Hawks front, but hopeful <laughs> with uh, the GM news that, that things flip around here soon and, you know, we'll, we'll look to, to have that GM hired here in, you know, about a month, month and a half. So things will be moving quickly. So personally for yourself, do you want them to try to get as, you know, players to, to possibly make a run or would you rather them kind of like get rid of the guys that need to get, that the Hawks need to get rid of and then kind of just maybe like start over next year with a new GM uh, brand new, you know, new coach, possibly more probably. Um, where do you kind of land on that for the Hawks? You know, it's it's tough. Uh, it's going to be the unpopular opinion. Um, yeah, but you look at how Minnesota came in last week; they beat the shit out of us, and that's putting it politely. <laughs> yeah, um, really. 
that's a physical team. Florida, you know, the we're not even talking about the Eastern Conference. You know, you've got Nashville, you've got Minnesota, you got Colorado and St. Louis. Four teams that are all in the Central, all the mm-hmm. top four teams in the Western Conference. So, you know, unfortunately, that path is really, really tough. And Colorado, yeah. they started out a little slow coming out of the gates, but they're finding that stride. They've won 10 in a row. I think they've won like 15 on or 16 on home ice, including beating Chicago. Um, so it's it's tough. You know, Vegas is a really tough hockey team. They're able to beat Anaheim that's in the running. Um, Calgary, they've had – I think they lost to Calgary. But, um, you know, it's – it's tough. You look at it and you look mm-hmm. who's in front of Chicago, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Edmonton, all teams that are playing pretty good hockey. You know, Edmonton obviously having Connor McJesus, McDavid on there. So <laughs> they're looking to, if they can find a goaltender, they're really looking to make a run for that, for that playoff spot and, and hopefully solidify a, a serious playoff run because they have the talent of offensively. They just need to, um, you know, get that that goal differential right now is for Edmonton plus three, and um, you know everyone in the playoffs right now. I think the lowest is plus four, but they're the seven seed, and you know your eight seed right now is plus twenty nine. With uh, so yeah, and fuck Colorado's plus fifty five, and you guess take a gander. What do you think? This, what do you think the Hawks is? It's not the worst I'm one gonna, in the division. I'm gonna go negative negative thirty. Woo, Rick, looking that's not a bad guess. No. 37. What, what 37. 37. Hey, I was close. It's, yeah, it's sad no, that I was that close. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it, it's it's defense. It's, you know, obviously Flurry had a few tough starts. A lot of goals given up this week. Um that 5-1, you know, last week against Minnesota didn't help, but mm-hmm. you know, the Hawks know what they have to do to get back in that playoff race. I I think breaking down that roster and, and getting that capital and kind of, you know, putting the right foot forward for whoever's taking over the leadership uh, roles for the front office in the next year would be beneficial. Um, mm-hmm. But I doubt um, you see that to its full extent. You know, like I said, I think you'll see flurry moved, but um, I do think they will be a little bit hesitant than, than most on getting rid of uh, some of these guys, you know, Kubelik yeah. will probably be moved, but um, damn, really? I, you, know, you think so? Yeah, he's on a one-year deal, um, and he's scoring. So a team that needs scoring yeah. uh, in that top six or in that top nine, <clears throat> and a guy that could be on your second power play or first um, is really attractive. So um, another guy, like I said last week, you know, you need a uh, you need some draft picks. So whatever it takes yeah. to get those. That's true, and I, you know, Kubalik. I remember seeing him in that uh, in the COVID playoffs. Uh, he had a really good year that year too. Uh, I, I forget who did they beat uh, in the COVID playoffs that they were like not supposed to beat him. The Oilers, or so they beat Edmonton. They beat Edmonton that okay, year. Okay, so they did beat him. Okay, and uh, oh, it's funny. You know, I think Edmonton that whole time, like their their newspapers and news outlets were, oh, the Edmonton's got it in three games. You know, and and it was quite the opposite. So. Um, yeah, no, that was an exciting run. You know, you saw some of these guys that, that are still on the roster get that playoff experience, which is, is crucial, but yeah, it's, it's tough, you know, this year being a little bit more of an off year than last year for Kubelik in terms of the scoring numbers, but he's a guy that, um, will probably ask for a few years stability in a contract and, and with a few million behind that. So, uh, depending on, you know, what direction the Hawks end up wanting to do 
to go in, it'll be interesting. Um, I do think he'll be a casualty of, of the deadline though. I mean, you got to have some, right? And even if it is a guy that, you know, I, f- I, I mean, I was excited about him, you know, when they were in the playoffs that year. And I'm sure maybe a lot of other Hawks fans were as well because he was, he is a little bit younger too. Uh, you got to yeah, take some else sometimes. Yeah, I got to get rid of those guys. But, you know, hopefully it just means that it's a step forward in the right direction and, you know, the Hawks can get back into like the top of the division, top of the conference in the next couple of years with these moves. Yeah. Honestly, just getting back in the d- discussion. It's. Yeah. Um, and that's what's been so weird about it for a team that's had the success they had uh, to fall off as hard as they have. And, um, you know, obviously most of my blame would be towards Stan Bowman, but. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. It's, it's just not what you want to see in a sports town, obviously like Chicago. And it's painful. It's painful to talk about, you know, you want to, you want to talk positives. So, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's similar to, you know, like the amount of success they had in the early, early last decade, kind of like the Cubs, you know, like they, they were pretty successful in the middle of last decade and then they just fell off hard. Yep. So yeah, it's like you said, it's something one of those tough, tough things to kind of come to terms with, but yeah, you know, again, hopefully it just gets better. No new GMs, new coaches. Like it's just going to be a breath of fresh air in, in that entire organization. Let's hope it just does a positive. It's positive, you know, at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I think unless you got any other questions, I think that covers the Hawks. Yeah, man, that was it. All right. So pretty, I don't think pretty... anything really. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just gonna say pretty exciting stuff, you know, from the bears yeah. and, you know, even though the Hawks are kind of like on the downhill right now, we're looking for that upswing uh, coming to the off season. Um, but we, we shall see. Uh, appreciate you talking Hawks and bears with me, man. Yeah, always love uh, love hopping on the pod. Unfortunately, uh, it seems like the MLB has been uh, a little bit quiet. Besides the fact that yeah, I can say that Shohei Itani was announced as um, for any of you MLB the Show fans that he was announced on the cover of that. But besides that, you, it's been uh, sorry. Did you see? Did you see the 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 uh, tweet that Dexter Fowler put out? It's like who should we put on the MLB the Show cover? And he's like, put the owners on there. <laughs> He's the only I did not. But part that's of the league awesome. right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only unreal. part of the league. Uh, that's oh, funny, it. but yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see Shohei on there. Uh, he's just a force, and the fact that he's paired up with Mike Trout is just unfair to the rest of the league. Yeah. Well, it's you hope uh, you know it's another one of those situations where it's generational talent that you don't want to waste, and it's like yeah. McDavid. You know, he's made the playoffs like once or twice in his career. And I think Trout has maybe made it once, if not zero times. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's just an epic fail on your organization. If you have the best player in baseball for like 10 consecutive years and and you've done Mm -hmm. nothing around it, it's just, it's, it's sickening. Yeah. Yeah, Like zero playoff wins, zero, you know, just, I don't think they've really had any division wins either. I don't think they've taken the division. I think when they did get into the playoffs, it was maybe on a wild card. I, I can't even, you know, I don't really follow the Angels that much, but I just can't even remember if they won the division out in the West. Yeah. You know, when, you're, when you've when you got the Dodgers in town, it's hard to give a shit. <laughs> but nothing oh, against your Angels true. fans. Nothing against your Angels fans, but uh, uh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, obviously – you hope the owners and the players can get to an agreement here sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. Like we said last week, talk clocks a ticking, but 
until we've got some more breaking news on that, I think, uh, yeah, that covers baseball. Yeah, I need I need there to be a season, dude. I need there to be a season. I want to go to some Cubs games this summer. <laughs> I just I need Hell baseball yeah. in my life. I need yeah, some baseball no, in my life. <laughs> it's you know having last year uh, minus like the or no not like the season that finished this year, the season before that, the COVID year being, you know, locked out to fans. It's like, you know, if we lose another fucking six months of not being able to to watch our baseball, it's going to suck. It's going to really suck. Oh, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Staying hopeful, but we'll see. Yeah. All right, absolutely. man. Appreciate you coming on, and uh, see you next time. Yeah. Hope all is well, and we'll talk soon. I've got something for you. So getting into the Bulls now, it's been uh, a week of like ups and downs pretty much for the Bulls. Um, this past week and including the game uh, yesterday against the Magic, four and two. So they are improving um, <clears throat> better than honestly the week before and uh, just games before that, which was way worse. Uh, Vooch is starting to come around on the offensive side. And yeah, let's just kind of get into these games. Start off the week last week pretty badly uh, with that loss against the Magic, which you know when you when you're up against a team that has single digit wins and you have a Bulls team that's you know pretty good but banged up at the same time, you ex- you still expect that W uh, to come out from the from this team. And unfortunately, you know it wasn't. It we just didn't get it and. Even with DeRozan kind of scoring 41 points, uh, it seemed like it was DeRozan or bust pretty much, right? Like he scored almost half the fucking points for the Bulls, which while it is D-Row, you know, you want him to to, to, to do really well, uh, it still should be more of a team effort. Even with how many people we have out, we still have, I think we still have the star power to to kind of move the ball around and to, to distribute it accordingly. So everybody gets a touch and everybody gets points. And it's not just on DeMar to basically try to win the game. Um, so they lost that one uh, to the magic one fourteen at 95. And again, DeMar DeRozan, 41 points, uh, 15 for 21 from field goal range, 11 for 13 free throws. And then you have uh, the next leading scorer was Kobe white with 22 points. So that's still good to see. Kobe White kind of stepping it up in uh, in place for Zoe and Caruso. Um, and then after that, you had Vucevic with another uh, double-double, 13-13. Um, so, again, you know, Vuce kind of coming around, uh, doing a lot better. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because, like I said, you have these injuries and you have these guys down, but these, these guys should be able to come up and muster this win against the fucking Magic, which, you know, the worst team really in the league, right? So uh, they start off really badly with that um, with that uh, against, the, against the Magic with that loss. And then they move on to, to the Thunder. And they came out with the win, but it was, it was too close for comfort. And again, another team that isn't really great. They have a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys. Um, another... Another game which maybe they they really should have just won handily. Instead, it it, it got really close, one eleven to one ten, and they they got just. This was another one of those games for the Bulls where in the fourth quarter was just like you were panicked the entire time because OKC 
won the quarter 32 to 19. They got outscored. They they were outscored by 13 points in that quarter. You know, right. after having good first quarter, decent second, and then really good third quarter. And then just to to not even crack 20 points in the fourth quarter and to just come out with that win. Uh it's it was it was crazy, but you know, it is what it is. Luckily, Levine was back for this game. Um, him, uh, Vooch and Dasunmo actually all scored more than 20 points. So Zach Levine with 24, I'm sorry, with 23, uh, Vooch was the leading scorer in this game with 26 points. And then, uh, you had AO with 24, uh, obviously Vooch with another double, double 15 rebounds on this game. But, uh, it also, again, kind of like that game against, um, Kind of, again, kind of like that game against the, the, the Magic with uh, DeMar. It almost felt like, yeah, these three guys all basically had pretty even scoring uh, this game. But when you look at the bench, you know, McKinney, Hill, Cook, Bradley, even Kobe White, uh, who did come off the bench, like these guys didn't really too much. Um, and that's kind of what you're looking for from your bench. You know, it's, it's – I feel like it's just been – somewhat of a of a uh trending item with the bulls you know what i mean like the starters will score 20 30 and then obviously the bench will not do their part but there is sometimes when the bench does come in in handy but again with all these injuries it's tough for like the bench you know with a lot of these guys that don't have too much playing time unless it's like trash time right they um they don't really uh i guess get that feel for the game to kind of score more points or to do more. But again, another one where it was like, fuck the fourth quarter, it came down to the fourth quarter. And luckily the defense was just enough, you know, to kind of keep them in the game and obviously eventually get them the win. Um, and then of course you had uh, the next game was against the Raptors. So kind of like a, a homecoming for uh, DeMar DeRozan um, and they came out, not too bad. 111 to 105. They came out with a W on that one. DeRozan almost 30 points, scored 29. Um, and then Zach Levine with uh 23. Uh, another good game. Another one where uh I mean, I don't want to say it was a weird fourth quarter, but you know, obviously the score says that it was kind of like a close game. Luckily, they came out, you know, won it with a six-point lead, and they just they're they're starting to kind of turn around their 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 luck, honestly, this past week with, uh, with wins and losses. And, you know, I came out with the win. And then after that, uh, they go up against the Spurs, which they gave a awesome, pretty, they gave a pretty awesome tribute video to, uh, DeMar, uh, which is cool. Um, and then he goes and scores 32 points. Uh, they still get the loss though. Uh, they lose 131 and 122 and, it was the third quarter was the one where it was like, fuck that one hurt the most. You know, they got outscored 35 to 23 and really the only quarter they won was the first quarter. They started off really, really good. It was looking like a good game. And again, uh, the San Antonio team that isn't, um, isn't terrible, but also isn't amazing, which is another one of those games that you wish they would have just fucking won. You know what I mean? Like, because they could have had it. They could have absolutely taken that dub and against a, a team that is pretty subpar and especially, you know, compared to the Bulls. But, you know, they, they, they unfortunately, they don't get it. They don't get the W there. Um, uh, what was it? DeRozan with 32 points and even Zach Levine scored 30. 
So you have the top two guys doing what they have to do. And even Kobe White came off the bench with 18 points and then Vooch 18 points as well. So um, it was a lot of points that they scored on this defense as, as a team that I feel like is very, you know, is known for their defense, I think, around the league. And kind of like with, with Billy Donovan coming into the coaching role, he was kind of known for his defense as well. So they gave up a lot of points. Uh, cool video for uh, DeMar DeRozan coming back to San Antonio. But, you know, they, they came out with the L instead. Uh, so is what it is at this point. But these next two, but the last two games uh, against the Blazers and the Magic, pretty good games. Obviously, they won uh, just yesterday against the Magic, and they beat the Trail Blazers pretty handily. So again, four and two these last six games this last week, including the win against the the Magic this week. Um, it's just awesome to see the Bulls kind of turn it around again, even with the injuries. What is kind of like holding them back the most from? their early season success, um, just 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 being able to to kind of flip the page and be like, all right, that stretch we went on when we had like four or five losses in a row, okay, that's that's over. We are kind of we're turning the page. It's close to the all-star break. Let's kind of get our rhythm back. We have Zoe out, we have Caruso out. Um let's focus on what we what we have right now and let's focus on what we can do right now to basically win these games and once the all-star break all-star break hits rest what you know during that break come back even stronger and then eventually get Caruso back get uh Lonzo back and just become the complete team you know without injuries that they were at the beginning of the season whenever when they were fucking surprising and rising up in the power rankings and like the whole NBA was talking about the Bulls so it's getting there. It's getting there, and and it's exciting at the same time because Bulls fans. I mean, it, it was looking bad after that nine game win streak. I mean, we thought we were never going to lose again. And then you know you have injuries. You have these guys going out, and even with like Zach Levine going out and and Demar going out for those couple games during the win streak, we're like, okay, that's this is it's it's good. It 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 shows that the Bulls can can have injuries, but still come in clutch, can still make up next man up type of shit. Right. And still win these games and still be in the conversation for top team in the East. And now with more injuries, uh, with more people going in and out, and then the, the, the COVID protocols, obviously that stuff too affects the team. Now it's like, all right, well we need Caruso. We need his defense. We need Lonzo balls defense. We need his like floor general type of attitude. Right. And it's, and it's also, it's, it's playing all these games. It's an 82 game season. It takes its toll on players all the time, especially when they've been, been injured, coming back from an injury, maybe getting surgery like in Caruso and Lonzo Ball's uh, uh, situation when they do come back. You don't know how it's going to affect them later on after the all-star break or when they do finally come back because then they got to rehab, then they got to do this, and then they got to play you know, one-on-one. Now they're doing a five-on-five. Now they're in game time. You know, I don't think these players are like, are going to just automatically forget how to play basketball. But I, I would assume it's very difficult to kind of come back from an injury mid-season and to just come back and be like, yo, we need you at 100% like you were, you know, the beginning of the season. So it's just good that uh, even when they were losing, when they were, when those injuries were stacking up and 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 affecting them in this negative way, now they're starting to get their, their, their kind of like swag back, you know, like they're like, hey, you know, we're, we're up here. We're at the top of the East for a reason. 
We're a good team for a reason. Um, that's because we play really well. DeMar DeRozan's great. Fucking Zach Levine is still doing really well. Uh, Vooch is finally getting back to like his, his all-star form. Um, Io is, is doing crazy things as a rookie, um, with that veteran mentality, really. So it's, it's just awesome to see them. And after the four and two week they had, it's promising. And you're kind of like almost, I feel like as a Bulls fan, or even as a Bulls player, you're kind of looking forward to this all-star break to be like, all right, kind of re-cage, um, see what we can do, rest up, and just, you know, go from there. And uh, speaking about power rankings, they are number seven in the power rankings. I think uh, in the NBA power rankings or ESPN, I forget which one they were. Um, so that's that's still good to see. And they are at the top of the East, best team in the East right now, uh, sitting with a record of 32 and 18. First in the division. Like they just, I think they just surpassed their win total from last season, which is even fucking better. Um, that's how you know, uh, Ack, Mark Eversley, Billy Donovan, and this whole team is just turning it around for the Bulls organization in general. And with that, DeMar DeRozan, all star starter for the East, possibly Zach Levine coming into uh, the all star as well. Uh, honestly, he probably should because. Demar's great. Don't get me wrong. Like he's his, you know, his career is almost like uh, he's resurrected his career. I guess you could say in a way, right? He's always been good, but you know, to be this good, I guess, is in this at this age for him is awesome, and that earned him the starter role because he's been doing great things in Chicago. Zach Levine, he's he's still doing great things, but I, I feel like he should have already been named an All Star. But he probably is going to be a reserve. First time they have uh, two teammates. The Bulls will have two teammates in the All Star games since Pagasol and Jimmy Butler. Uh, back in 2015, if I'm not mistaken, I forget what year that was, but you know, awesome to see these guys representing the Bulls. We haven't had representation in a while, um, so to have them in the All Star game is fucking awesome. Uh, Going to be rooting for them to do really well. And then Io is he was named to the 22 2022 Rising Star Game, and that's huge, you know, because it's not only the rookies from this year, but it is um, second year players who were drafted last season. Um, and when he was asked about it in one of like the little press conferences or whatever, he said, he can't wait to go, you know, it's a great experience. He's going to be, um, he's going to be talking to a lot of the players, a lot of the rookies, uh, maybe not the rookies, but more like the, you know, second year players, more veterans trying to like, just get as much input, ask as many questions to these guys. And that's what you want to hear from, from him, from, from, you know, a kid on your team, uh, who just wants to learn more. And it, again, it, it, I, I've probably said this a few times, but it gives me like, it gives me just those Kobe vibes. You know what I mean? Like the Kobe Bryant, always, always wanting to learn, always asking questions to these guys who are years ahead of him, veterans of the game, and just asking questions like he would Michael Jordan. He would ask Michael Jordan this and that. And he luckily has like DeMar DeRozan there, Zach Levine, who have been in the league for plenty of years, but to get more input from like other players, um, maybe like, you know, I don't know, Chris Paul or any of the other all-star starters that are there. He can ask them questions and just learn from them. It's fucking awesome to see. Um, and I'm kind of glad he's he's there at the uh, all-star, the uh, all-star, or sorry, the rising star game uh, for rookies, which means it's just his, you know, his ceiling is so high now and and it's just great to have him on the team. So yeah, that was uh, that was a Bulls week kind of in a nutshell there where, where we started off with a win against the Magic just yesterday. 
which is awesome. So let's keep those dubs coming and then keep them coming even after the all-star break, after the trade deadline. Um, we'll see what they do, man. Um, it's still kind of up in the air to see what they do. I think from last, last few things that I read, they don't want to give up P will, um, definitely not giving up Kobe now with the injuries. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see cause I love the team the way it is, but I just, it's, you know, you, you've seen the Sixers games early in the year and they will probably meet them again. And maybe it's different, different team, different, well, not a different, well, definitely a different team, but a different, uh, just a different game. You don't know how it's going to come out, but man, they, they just with Embiid, how big he is and how, like, just how good he is. Like, and then you saw it against Durant, like at the Nets, maybe the Bulls do need to go out and maybe give up a young player for a solid veteran. You know, Jeremy Grant obviously is that, that, that big name that's been circling around for the Bulls lately. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, I love, again, I love this team, but I, I feel like maybe there's one piece missing one or two pieces. Maybe the bench definitely needs to step it up. But again, once we have our guys back fully healthy, fully healthy roster, it is going to be a much better team, just like in the beginning of the year. Um, but yeah, we'll see how the, uh, we'll see how the, um, trade deadline goes and all that. And hopefully most of the team is is still here and they don't sell off too much. They don't give away too many players or, you know, but we'll obviously we'll see. We'll keep tabs on that uh, here on big league Chicago. All right. And with that, you know, thank you guys. Thanks again to Jack uh, coming on and talking bears, all the hires. There's been some new ones as well. Uh, defensive coach, offensive coach, O-line coach, things like that. Um, so we will we'll mention all that stuff. We'll go over all that stuff next episode. Um, and I do want to apologize for getting the episode late to you. It's been a crazy week of work for me, so that's why we haven't been able to get it out on Mondays consistently as I'd like to. But we will try to change that for all you guys. Obviously, with with the offseason stuff in the NFL playoffs, um, NBA, you know the Bulls are relevant. Like it's it's just a lot to kind of keep up with, and we're gonna try to do more more clips on the Instagram and. Obviously, try to have be more consistently on uh, Monday releases for the week, for the past week in, in Chicago sports news and things like that. But thank you guys for being patient again. So, again, always thank you for the support. Uh, you guys are showing us, reading the blogs, uh, listening to the episodes. It's always great to, uh, you know, hop on the blog and see how many people are viewing the, the, the blogs and reading and just, uh, just enjoying the content from Crack One Media. If you guys want to follow the Crack One Media IG page, it is at Crack One Media. Uh, if you want to follow my Twitter and Instagram, it is at and now Rick. And of course, go on Crack One Media, check out the highlights. You'll see all the uh, the blog writers, um, their ads on Instagram, and as well at the bottom of the blogs, you'll see their Twitters, their Instagrams, whatever it is they they're on. And uh, make sure to give them a follow as well. And uh, yeah. Just keep uh, following us for all this good content. We're going to keep bringing it to you. And uh, me and Jack are going to keep bringing you more uh, podcasts. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And we will see you guys Monday. Definitely Monday this time, I promise. (laughs) See ya. Welcome to the halftime show. I love to leave a nigga flatline.
yeah, I know. Niggas quick to lose school and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. Them all these little screw niggas, they lame. Fuck with them, I can't. Basic mounted and strange. Vision faded and plain. I asked nigga, one really bitty was on some bitch shit. Wasn't a fan of your figure. And I only like the skinny women. Shit, I like my women plus size. No lie, that why I stress my on your butt thighs. That's fine by me. She cooks whenever I slide. Pasta burger, french fry. Sometimes I don't even eat. She fuck with my precious, my fluffy. She swear she let me eye. Kiss on her tummy, my tummy XL and fit her perfect. Won't catch me lurking at all. My Richard once I spit saw. Since so proud and so tall. Those cheeks around the applause over and over and over again. Told my homie and my parents we were only just friends. At first, I couldn't let my secret out then. It's getting deeper now, but I don't care what others think about me. Came out of depression, had to pick up the penny. Get skinny, nigga. Thick wallet, chubby, chasing them Benjamins. Now I'm trying. Got all day to change the name, so we winning again. Sound partial. Hey, welcome to the halftime show. I love to leave a nigga flatline. Yeah, I know. Niggas quick to lose cool and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. Like, nigga, who's you? Welcome to the halftime show. I love to leave a nigga flatline. Yeah, I know. Niggas quick to lose cool and frown down on something new that they ain't used to. Them all these little screw niggas that.